This episode is brought to you by Scott Keogh Horsemanship, offering a wide range of services from horse breaking and training to clinics and private lessons. Tested, tried and true horsemanship coaching and advice. Clear and easy to understand horsemanship advice. A common sense approach with no showmanship or gimmicks. Go to www.skhorsemanship.com for more information, products and a range of Scott's DVDs. Sport Horse 505 due to come out any day. Follow Scott on Instagram and Facebook. I just need to take five and go away and recover. <laughs> Not even high pressure, I don't know the word to describe it. <laughs> from the saddle. Hey folks, Scotty Keogh here from the saddle. Well, they tell us Australia only has three true native sports. AFL, polo cross and camp drafting. Now, if you're a fan of camp drafting like I am, this guy set the standard. 30 years ago, this guy's horses cut out like they do today. Now, if you've got a fine eye, you'll notice his horses look softer. They look better. They look broker. They look more educated. There's something about this master horseman, and I'm really enjoying this conversation I'm about to have here today. We're going to go to Tamworth to talk about the one and only Bruce McNaughton. From the saddle. From the saddle. Hey, this morning, Bruce. I'm good, thanks, Scotty. How are you? Mate, uh, I'm really fired up for this interview, mate. Uh, we've had a couple of chats on the phone that could have went all bloody night. I'm really keen to hear your story. You're one of the most decorated camp drafters of all time, and, and anyone can go to a camp draft now or, or watch your training uh, video and, and see that. But, mate, I'm, I'm more interested, where did this all start? You've got to take me back to the journey and, and just tell me about your father and, and the men that shaped you to what you become. I was born at Kyogle. And my father was uh, in the light horse, and he went to the Second World War, and he was captured into Brook, and then he went to New Guinea. And when he came back home, uh, he joined the Tickstaff through a government job on the Tickstaff, and we lived at a place called Grady's Creek, which was up from Kyogle. I had two brothers, and we lived in a tent. And um, mum used to go to town, take the three of us any time she had to go to town on the mountain goat, the trains, and uh, do her shopping and then come back home the evening when the school kids come back on the train. And that's where I started. That's where I was born and lived. And, and then we moved to Kyogle and lived at Kyogle. I had to ride horses to school when I lived at Grady's Creek. I rode horses to school. And then we moved to Kyogle. I went to school there for about five or six years. And then Dad's job moved into Grafton. I lived in Grafton and joined the pony club there and rode horses and done things like that, you know. So how old were you when you had your first run in a camp draft, say? Uh, I'd have been, I think you could have a run then. I would have been about 12 then. Okay. And were you like an advanced kid or were you just thundering around like everyone else? Yeah, just mainly thundering around like anybody else. I wasn't that advanced, no. I think I, in the first run, I might have like I might have got a place, but I didn't do any great. So, when and where did things get better for you? When did you start? I left school when I was fourteen and went to work for old Herb Dunn, W. I. Dunn at Casino, and I started to ride his horses. He had a lot of horses. He had show jumpers and hacks and. Campcraft horses, and he employed me to ride his horses. So I worked his horses. Also, they were a really big 
cattle producing people. Like they bought a lot of cattle at the sale yards and done a lot of things like meat operators they were. And uh, my job as well was to pick the cattle up from the sale yard and take them to reserves and things like that. And then we had to draft cattle out of that. Like you draft up a mob of cattle, they'd be dairy cows and everything, and you draft them up. And then I started to ride camp horses and then I started to really get going riding horses, you know, because you had to learn to cut cattle out. And getting back to her, mate, like, did you know to rise on the right diagonal and did you learn leads? No, no, never knew anything about that then. But then when I started riding show horses, I mean, you had to learn all that, which one to sit on and which one to ride and all your lead changes and all that caper. So that helped me in the, in the riding and starting of horses, you know. And so how old were you there when you've sort of explored this, you know, there's a bit more to this oh, riding? I'd have, been, I'd have been 16 or 17 or 18 or something like that. Yeah. You know? So kicking around the, uh, you know, the weekly rodeos, camp drafts, things like that? Yeah, we'd keep, you'd, you'd do a lot of camp drafts and go to drafts and through riding his horses, I um, learnt to, you know, draft and show jump and do a lot of things. And then, you know, you'd go to places, you'd, you'd gradually have to ride hacks at Sydney and, and Brisbane show and Melbourne show and all those sort of things. So you started to learn how to really ride a hack horse, you know. Yep. And, mate, it obviously did you well. Um, it was time well spent. Yeah, no, I, I don't regret any of that. You know, at the time I didn't go that much on it, but um, certainly helped you a lot. Okay, so so kicking around, you're entering these drafts. Did did you have a bit of a hero, like an idol, like I mean, the Laurie Millses of the world and all that? Were well, they been in the opens? I, I mean, I grew, grew up at the casino, and and the toughest people to beat there was Laurie Mills and Fraser Ramsey and Kevin Johnson and and Laurie Stevenson. I mean, like you can compete against them every weekend. I mean, we li- I lived on the north coast, and they were the toughest blokes to beat. You know, you run against them every weekend. And I always, always thought, just one day I'd like to beat those hollers, you know. Yeah, right. So, um, mate, what you're working on on the land? You you're breaking in horses and 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 managing properties, mustering things like that. Yeah, yep, yep. Always working on the land, handling cattle, and doing all that. And when I was about eighteen, I was lucky enough to meet a lady called Gertie Brooks. So she was the lady that won the Warwick Gold Cup, wasn't she? She was. Yeah. And she came to stay at Herb Dunn's place for a couple of months and I went to some drafts and shows with her and she really was a great horse lady and she helped me a lot with, you know, making sure your horses would be light in the face and she said to me, there's two things that you need in a camp draft horse and there's ability and obedience and today's the same. It hasn't changed any, you know, and she was such a great rider and uh, she really helped me get started wanting my horses better, you know. Yep. So were you always a bit of a seeker? Was that you were always a bit of a thinker, Bruce, would you say, or is it something that you had to go, hang on, I've, I've got to get better here? you got to get, you know, you didn't need to get better if you didn't get better. I wasn't such a great rider, but, I mean, I thought I had to get my horses trained better. You know, you'd run into people that, that were better riders, but, you know, you had to train your horses better. So what age were you when you could win an Open? When I won an Open? Yep. Yeah, probably seven, sixteen, seventeen, something like that. Okay, so you started to um, you started to make a name for yourself. Uh, yeah, I don't know whether I made a name for myself, but I I started to win a few drafts, you know. But it took a long time then before I actually did become consistent, you know. I mean, from when you win one and then 
you think, well, this is going to be easier, but it definitely doesn't get any easier at Tamdrafton because, you know, there's a lot of good competitors and you've got to either get better. If you don't get better, you'll keep getting beat, you know. There's not much fun in that, is there? No, no. So you needed to get better. Later on in life, I got some of my own horses. I had a bay horse that I thought was a really good horse and he turned out to be the biggest mongrel horse you'd ever seen and he learnt me more about horses than any horse I've ever owned because... I never wanted another one like him, you know. <laughs> so uh, tell me, mate, you're one of the first blokes to start drafting quarter horses. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah, I was one of the first um, that started drafting quarter horses. And So how did that come about? What made you think that, you uh, know? Well, I got uh, mixed up with Richard Bull a bit, like with his horses, and he gave me a mare. And then I started drafting a mare called Stardust. And um, Richard gave me the mare. And then we had a bit of an association, Richard and I, with horses, and he gave me her and Serene. And, um, you know, people thought I had some sort of disease when I started drafting quarter horses because they'd never been drafted and they thought, well, you know, they can't run circles and they can't draft and, you know, they, they made a pretty big fuss about riding quarter horses. And they sort of kept running you down, but the people that run you down and said the quarter horses are no good at riding them today. Absolutely, mate. So um, you told me that Ray Hunt had a fair influence on you, mate. How did that come when about? I, when I moved there, I went to work for John Stanton. Yep. And, uh, like, at Stanton's place, there's always someone calling in, like Ian Francis or, you know, and he had, you know, a lot of horses and done a lot of things. And he, he went to America and brought back a horse breaker like in Ray Hunt, and uh, he came to Stanto's and there was only uh, uh, Tommy and Johnny and I, like, in the shed there with him. He'd, he'd showed us things that we'd never seen, you know. Like, I'd never seen anybody pull a horse's head round before and do things like that. That was the first follower I ever seen, like, pull a horse's head round and make him give you his face. Yeah, now everyone does it, don't they? No, they do. And, I mean, it was it was the first thing that, he de- he bought that out from America, and when he'd break his horses and he'd pull their face around and pet their forehead, and now everybody does that, you know. And he was a big influence on timing and making sure you knew about where horses' feet were and all that, you know. Yeah, right. So um, when would you say the penny dropped for you, mate? Like, was there a, a moment or a mentor or...? There's a lot of people that help you on your way. I started to get some horses of my own, and we moved to, after I left Stando, I went to move, we moved to, to Glenrock Station, which is a big cattle property up in the Hunter Valley. And, um, I had got a lot of my own horses and had a lot of my horses and, uh, worked a lot of cattle. I run 30,000 sheep on Glenrock and about 6,000 head of cattle. And when I went there, I went there as a horse breaker. And, uh, the first day that I was there, they sent me out to get some horses to break in. And they sent me with a big bloke that had a really thick pair of glasses on, like Coke bottles they were, and we rode out to get these horses and there was 23 stallions in a paddock. And we, like, for me to break in and we never got a horse. We couldn't get them. The stallions met us at the gate with their mouth open. Holy hell. Anyway, we, next day we took all the stock and we got the horses and I started to break in and I broke in there for about six months and then became the manager and stayed there for 25 years. I'll be bugging. Did you get them stallions broken in, mate? 
Yeah, I did. Yeah, it took a bit. To get, yeah, I was finished up. I had a lot of them tipped over on their back, and uh, not many were stallions when I finished. <laughs> I bet there wasn't. Now, you had had a lot of good understudies come through you on that station over the years, wouldn't you, mate? Oh, yeah, there's a lot of blokes work work with me, like fellas like Troy Palmer and Adam Sadler and Robert Tegg and Dean Taylor and Anthony Thompson, who owns Widden. Yep. Um, he owns Widden Stud. He worked there for a few years. and Like, there's plenty of them that, you know, you can't remember all of them, but uh, plenty of those sort of fellas work there for you. Yeah, I bet, and I bet you've touched their journey quite a bit. Now, a lot of people wouldn't know this, but Wayne McLennan told me, he said, you were just as tough on a bronc or with the knuckles as well. Uh, yeah, you don't believe everything McLennan <laughs> I think you're being a bit humble, mate. So, uh, no, he told me, he said he's seen you win a bronc ride in a fight or two. So, um, if Wayne McLennan says you're tough, well, then you're tough. Yeah, yeah. McLennan was pretty tough, so well, I don't know about me, but, um, yeah. So let's let's jump to um to your career, drafting career. What would you say was your highlight of your of your camp drafting career? Yeah, the highlight of my drafting career was when Ben and Julie and myself won Rider of the Year, I guess. The three of us won it in the one year and plus I won Horse of the Year the same year. Pretty fair family feat there, mate. That was about the highlight that, that I've had in my life, yeah. Mate, the gold cups always evaded you? Yeah, now I've never got hold of it. Yeah, it's always got away from me. I heard one year you went in there, maybe in the lead, and and, the, and a bullet got his horn under your rein and took the rein off you. Yeah, I mean, you used to have your reins buckled up then, and I was on checks, and I come around the second peg, and a bullet got his horn hooked in the rein and led me back to the camp. Oh, me bugger. That would never happen in 100 years, would it? No, you used to have your reins buckled up then, yeah. Yeah, right. Well, who would you say is the, the best horse and rider combo you've seen drafting? Well, Cadet was a great horse. Like, Cadet was an unbelievable horse. But, yeah, Terry and probably Romance, like, and Romance, like, produced Conman. You know, you'd, like, in early career, you'd run up against Terry and Romance. He'd be the toughest. I'd, like, one of the toughest anyway. And then, like, as you say, he produced Conman. Uh, Bobby Palmer was a great rider. He had Brisette. All right, mate. So, um, obviously, the sport has grown and evolved like there's no way you would have picked it 30 years ago, would you? No way, no, no way. It's become an unbelievable sport, really, for, for a lot of people, you know? Oh, it brings people together. I mean, and, you know, some guy that he might only have a run in the encouragement, but he's he's worked his butt off all week at his nine-to-five job, and that's his release, isn't it? My word, yeah. Uh, that's what's made the sport. So many people that, that do other jobs, that aren't on the land anymore have made the campground from what it is, you know, today. Absolutely. Um, so tell me, the weekend warrior, mate, I mean, it's it's a hard one. You know, they don't get to chase cattle. They probably re- hardly get to ride their horse. What advice would you give to the weekend warrior? I'd say that get to as many schools as you can and um, get to some people and ask them about things that he's doing, you know, if he's having problems with your horse or uh, and make sure he gets himself a decent horse. Get to as many schools as he can get himself a decent horse. Okay, mate. I remember I had Tommy Williamson with me at my place for a week and I kept saying, show me something, Tommy, show me something. What, what drill would you do here? What drill would you do there? And he just kept saying, get a well-bred horse, get a well-bred horse. Yeah, get a decent horse, but you need to get to, get to a lot of schools too. It's important to do a lot of clinics. You'll learn something off everybody. And do you still coach, mate? You're still doing the clinics? Yeah, I do still do some schools, yeah. 
Yeah, okay. And now your training DVD, where can people purchase that, mate? They'll be able to get it online. Yep, they can look up Bruce McNaughton Camp Drafting and track it down. Yep, yep, they can, yeah. Right on, mate. So what would you say was has been one of the biggest challenges in your life, just in general? Uh, I mean, I've had a lot of challenges. I had a mentally retarded daughter when I was younger, and that was a fairly big challenge. Um, we lived at Glenrock, and Ben was born at 27 weeks, and Julie was in hospital with him at, at um, the John Hunter for three months. Three months. A lot of things are... You know, things like that that, that that are tough enough, you know. Well, mate, you're just a winner all round. You, blokes like you find a way to win. If there's not a way, you find a way, um, whether it's with dogs or horses. You've, you've just got that outlook, haven't you? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, I guess everybody likes to win. And the harder you work at, the better you become at it. So tell me, uh, you're meant to be retired, but what what do you do these days? Um, I, ride, I just ride a few horses for people. I still ride a few horses. Uh, I've got, got my own horses and I ride a few out-of-side horses. Yeah, still train a few horses for people, get them started and train a few. And, I mean, you still draft. You finaled at Wollinga the other day, didn't you? Yeah, I still draft, yeah. Still take a truckload of horses and go to drafts, yeah. And still enjoy it? Yeah, I still, still look forward to it. Yeah, it's great. It's a great sport. Yeah, right. If you do it all over again, would you do anything different? Uh, I guess I wouldn't do anything different. No, I definitely wouldn't do things much different to what I've done it. Uh, I probably wouldn't mess with as many ordinary horses as I have done. Like those ordinary horses take up a lot of time and that, when you finish with them, you haven't really got much. Absolutely, mate. And do you feel it's a, it's a bit of an Aussie mindset or a disease that we have? Like the more ignorant he is, the more determined we are to put more miles on him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how it is. I mean, we, we're, pretty, we're pretty determined sort of people and... If you get a horse and, you you know, you don't want to let that horse beat you. But, I mean, while you're wasting time on him, you'll have another one gone a long way down the road compared to him. Yep, absolutely. Right, mate. So, uh, moving forward, you got a few horses you're breeding at the moment? Uh, yeah, just breed a few horses. Still breed a few horses, yeah. And you stuck to the corridor sort of lines, mate? Uh, not so much. I mean, there's good horses in both breeds. There's plenty of good stock horses and there's plenty of good quarter horses. But there's no one particular breed any better than the other. You see good horses in both breeds. Absolutely. And, mate, was there ever a chance of you not becoming a camp drafter? Like, could you have went down the polo route or the no, polo cross route? No, no. No way. No, I, there's no way that I wouldn't have stayed at camp drafting because it was like your job was handling cattle and handling stock. So if you went away from that, I mean, a horse was naturally, you could take him to a camp draft if you, if you rode him to work. Yeah, he was halfway ready, wasn't he? Yeah, yep, he was ready to go. Right on, mate. Well, um, I hope you do plenty more coaching, Bruce, because you've got so much to offer. I, I really hope that uh, if there's some clubs out there and things like that, they, they book you and they and they utilise you because you've just got so much knowledge to give. And um, I want to thank you, mate, for your time here this morning. Thank you very much, Scotty. Yeah, and I hope some old mates of yours uh, listen to this and, uh, and people get as much enjoyment out of it as much as I have. So um, thanks again, Bruce. Thanks, Scotty. Bye. Thanks to our sponsor, Scott Keogh Horsemanship. 